This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fathayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. A few weeks ago, during Milwaukee's Films, Cultures, and Communities Festival, I hosted an event where we watched short films around the theme of death, and in smaller groups, a space to openly talk about death. Before the night ended, I asked folks if they would like to sit in our studio alone, uninterrupted, for a few minutes to share private thoughts. Confessionals. These are their stories. My name is Hazel Jones, and I'm the mother of a baby who was stillborn at 21 weeks. The day that my son died, I was admitted to the hospital, and that day there was a huge thunderstorm in Milwaukee, and a red and black butterfly sat on the window. And I remember looking at this butterfly and saying to it, how are you still here when this storm has taken my son? I went and sat by the window and just watched that butterfly. And it stayed there on that window for the duration of the storm. Later that night, my little boy was born into the world silently. The only people you could hear crying was myself, the doctor, the nurse, and my husband. Matthew came into the world silently and perfectly. And he took a little piece of my heart with him when he died. But the one thing that we did know is that his life however short it was, has so much purpose for us. He set us on a path of helping others. And because of his death, I became a bereavement doula. So I'm there when families also experience the worst. And as much as I miss him and I wish he was here, he surrounds everything that we do. He is in the smile of my eldest son. He is in the laughter of my grandson. When I look at my husband, I can see from the photos that Matthew looked just like his daddy. And everything about him was totally perfect. It was just an imperfect ending to a perfect pregnancy. And the pain never really goes. There is that one minute in the morning where you wake up and the pain's gone and then everything comes crashing back down and you have to relive your grief again. But I wouldn't trade any of that, unless he was back here, but I wouldn't trade any of that because I'm the mom to two wonderful boys. One boy is changing the world by being a nurse and the other boy is changing the way we all see pregnancy and infant loss because without him so many things would be different I wouldn't be on this path where I help families I wouldn't be on this path where I can talk about death without it terrifying me my son was a blessing he is the first thing I think of in the morning and the last thing I think of before I go to bed at night he is everything and the love I have for him is very hard to explain because it grows daily I just know though that my son has wings while I walk here
My name is Crystal Rogers, and my reflection on death, I'll um, start with just um, the passing of my father in April of 2023, and as I reflect, I never really understood the idea or the reality or the um, authentic, genuine emotion behind thinking of someone every day because I've lost people. I've lost my sibling, my brother, but I don't think about him every single day. So I'd be lying if I said on a Facebook post or just to myself or to someone else, you know, I think about him every day. It's not true. I don't because life did kind of go on when my brother passed, but I do think of him often. I just don't think of him every day, but now losing a parent, someone who honestly I didn't think of every day as an adult woman, 40 years old within my own family I didn't think of him every day. But as time has had the audacity to keep going from April 15th of 2023 at 6 o'clock, I have now an understanding of what it means to think of someone every day. So there's that. And I hope he knows I'm thinking of him when I think of him. Okay. Um, I came to this event tonight because I was very curious how folks talked about death, thought about death, thought about grieving, especially in a city where we lose so many people so early. Um... And unnaturally, where we have to confront death. Um, and it was incredible, some of the conversations and hearing how folks have grieved and forgiven over the years with the table that I was at. Um, and it reminded me of a project that I've done for my family uh, where we would record personal histories. And I would sit down with each member and we would do these three to five um, minute stories on their life and a very particular part of their life. And uh, one was my Aunt Betty, who I didn't know very well, um, but this project let me get to know her and learn about everything that she's going through and dealing with, especially around the time of death. And um, a couple years had passed since I would, since I recorded um, this one year's the batch. Um, and I went back to listen to my grandparents who had passed away at the point. And I just wanted to hear their voice again. And I had these pictures of them. Um, and I wanted to see them and hear them. And I was going through all of the profiles that I had recorded that year and I had edited and I had put up on our private family YouTube page. And I looked at my Aunt Betty and she had over 3,500 views, which 
maybe now today in viral terms doesn't mean a lot, but there were like seven people who had access to um, to her page and to, to that actual like video. And a year had passed and one of my cousins had come up to me and she was his mom. And he had just started crying and holding me and saying, thank you so much. Um, he goes and watches that video every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, because he can't get enough of hearing her voice. And I think that for me, what it really cemented is that people don't pass away. There are ways that we can hold on to them and honor them and the way that they imprint on us never leaves. And it's, it may be a little thing um, and a little story that you're sharing, but uh, you have no idea how that's going to affect the people that love you so much and how much they need that. And sometimes they need to hear from you. We never really pass, I guess. Hello and blessings, I should say to everyone. My name is Sarita Valmond, and I'm going to share about my mother, my beautiful mother, Jasmine, who transitioned on March 13th of 2017. And... When she transitioned, you know, I had the honor of being with her at that time and being able to, you know, lock eyes and kind of share, um, you know, the last few moments. And during that time, um, just kind of give a little background, she had had walking pneumonia that turned into multiple organ failure that turned to sepsis and things of that nature. And so I um, was not able to actually physically speak with her. I should say have a conversation because she had a breathing tube, also a um, feeding tube as well. And so we just were able to communicate by hands, you know, as far as we're squeezing my hand, you know, saying, you know, are you okay? You know, different things like that. And I did not know at the time um, when all this, these things were occurring that she had had a, um, you know, a do not resuscitate order. Uh, so that was something that was a little shocking to me. But also, in hindsight, I'm glad that she had made that decision because I honestly feel like I probably wouldn't have been able to. I'm an only child. <laughs> so that would have been something very difficult for me. But I would say, you know, prior to that happening, we had had a, a very interesting mother-daughter relationship as me being a first-generation American here. And we also had a, a gapage um, with our um, age-wise. My mom was 42 when she had me and was told that she couldn't have children. So to <laughs> put that in there as well, too. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of strife, a lot of different things, a lot of traumas that we, you know, were able to work through and by having the opportunity to um, reconnect in adulthood because I had made a decision um, when I was in my 20s that, you know, we're going to not be in as much contact as we initially were just because of some of the things that were going on in both of our lives. And then we were able to finally reconnect when I was in my 30s. And we really 
got to enjoy each other and have those conversations. And so I'm proud to say that I am Jasmine's daughter. And a song that reminds me of my mother um, would be Summer Breeze um, by the Isley Brothers, because as I mentioned, her name was Jasmine. And one of the parts in the song says, Summer Breeze, you know, makes me feel fine with the scent of jasmine, you know, on my mind. And so that is something that I will, every time I hear that song, you know, I have an emotion, emotional tie to it. But um, I, if you kind of notice, I say transition. I say that because when it comes to my mother, I don't believe in actual, you know, death as in it being an ending. I believe that the transition is just that our relationship has changed, but she's always with me. She's always talking with me. You know, she's always communicating in the way that she does, and that's okay. out of the break we have two more stories to share and then i sit with kim shine to talk about the lessons we've learned after working on this month do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love it's all funded by the honor system as a public radio station we're based on a very simple model we try to do something meaningful connecting with you through music and stories and then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support are you one of them show your support by visiting radiomilwaukee.org and joining today My name is James Sokolowski. Uh, I am a instructor at Milwaukee Area Technical College, and I have taught the class Death and Dying uh, several semesters. And so I've, I found this event to be very interesting. I'm glad that the conversation is happening. It's it's such a you know it's a huge topic that's not often addressed and it's also one of those topics that can open up our worlds a lot um there's there's so much to learn about the diversity around the world in terms of how we deal with death loss grief mourning how we bury our dead you know what our you know what our thoughts are around how we should prepare for dying all of those things so i i was really interested in coming to check out this event i was very glad to hear that um this cultures and communities festival was was tackling this topic uh so um, i'm happy to be here and i I guess if i'm going to share a story and this kind of relates to one of the films that we watched the out of orbit film where it felt like the the mother had done some preparation to have her daughter be ready to cope with that loss and I think about my father who died of pancreatic cancer and we knew he was passing. He knew he was passing. It went quicker than we expected. But in in that time, he really was very proactive in making sure he tied up all his loose ends. Like he wrote myself and my siblings letters and every conversation that we had was was meaningful. And it was about making sure that, you know, any any past traumas were addressed 
and that love and care was expressed. And I feel like the Orbit, out of Orbit film was in many ways trying to do the same things to make sure that in terms of that film that the the little girl could, you know, move on with her life and, and not be stuck in in this world of mourning that loss. My name is Gerard Blanks and I think I'm gonna share a heartfelt story or memory about a cherished individual who passed away. I talk often about my uncle, Tony Clements. He was uh, very much a father-like figure for me. But I think, you know, in many ways, he was, man, he was so many things, right? He, he was a model for what I thought healthy masculinity could be. He was a model for, you know, what I thought or how I thought a man should take care of his family. And, and I mean that in, in I, I think, the most sincere way, like I had, and, and I still do have tremendous adoration for him because I always felt safe around him. I always felt like, you know, he was going to take care of things, right? It didn't matter if he came into town to visit me and my mother or if we went to go see him. He always drove. He always paid for dinner. He always just took care of things. And, and I remember thinking, man, I want to be like that when I grow up. I want to be the guy that everyone depends on or, or just the guy that always is sort of you know, taking care of things and like, you don't have to worry because he's, he's there. And so, you know, I miss him for those reasons because, you know, like I said, he was such a positive influence on my life. But then also, you know, the friendship that you have with loved ones, you know, he, he could call me and we could talk for five minutes or 50 minutes. It didn't matter. Sometimes he would just call me about a game that happened and he wanted to talk about the game real quick, boom, five minutes, we're done. Sometimes he called me because he had some thoughts and he wanted to get my take on them. And, and it was just nice because I never felt, I never felt sort of put out. When I saw his number pop up on my phone, I always wanted to answer because I always felt like this was going to be a considerate conversation, a two-way conversation, not someone that just wants to unload on you or talk for 30 minutes, but someone that wants to actually hear from you. So at the end of the day, I miss my uncle, but I am so blessed for all the memorable moments that we share. Kim, how are you? I am good, Salam. How are you? I'm good. I love chatting with you, so I'm really excited that we're ending the month of death uh, with a longer form producer chat to talk about our experience with this month. So I guess the first question is that this, this idea was kind of teased 
last year when we first met. We had like yeah. a little brainstorm session. <laughs> had a whole group of yeah. people coming it, in. It was super nice. I liked it. It was like a lot of interesting ideas. And one of them was doing a month dedicated around death. Mm-hmm. As you guys hear, we've, we've done that. And you seemed incredibly intrigued by that and interested to be a part of this month. Why, why were you intrigued? So out of all the months when this topic came up, I tell you, my eyes lit up everything. I was so excited. Passion. Yes, I had so much passion for it, but not because I take life lightly or death lightly, Mm -hmm. but because I have experienced it so much. Mm -hmm. And it is so important to talk about the things that we cannot control and talk about what life is. Death is part of life. You know, if you if you really want to just simplify it. We are born to recreate and we are born to die, right? Yeah. And it's kind of morbid um, to some or it may be morbid to some, but this is something we can do nothing about. So we really have to make sure we understand what it is, how it impacts us and how to just process it. So we don't um, so we don't pass along just negative ways of dealing. Yeah. And I think a lot of times actually like. The one beautiful thing that I've um, gotten as, you know, doing this month and hosting this month uh, on Uniquely Milwaukee is that it opens so many conversations with mm-hmm. people that I've never talked about death with, including some of our coworkers came yeah. up to me and talked about their experience or even in my in my family and friend group that there has been this idea of like this could open a window to have those conversations so we can put it on on the spot. And like you said, it is a part of life. And a lot of times I think, including myself, we walk around with our grief and we don't want to burden other people with it. That yeah. I think it's important to take up that space sometimes. You said that you've you faced a lot of death in your life. Mm-hmm. Did you have those conversations frequently or were you like, you know, the general public of not knowing how to talk about death? Well, see, that was the thing. So in my family and honestly, on both sides, my mom and my dad's side, sides of the family, I think I was the first one to ever experience their parent dying at Mm. such a young age. And then after me, uh, two or three, I mean, I say three because uh, one of them, they're twins. (laughs) So like, you know, after my mom passed away, years and years later, one of my cousins, the same thing happened to her around my age. And then the twin cousins, their mom passed away too. And so it was like, for me, there wasn't anything, you know, and I appreciate my dad. I appreciate my family and my friends who try to encourage me to write or try to encourage me to just figure out and find ways mm-hmm. to deal with it. But it was really hard yeah. because I was young and, you know, this was the first time this had happened and nobody really knew what to do or how to help me process it. And so when you found or I think it was Brett who said he mm-hmm. had the friend, you know, when when that class, class yeah. yeah, when that class came up and the idea of, oh, my God, we're actually teaching people how to do this, mm-hmm. how to process this and be not necessarily um, fighting negative things, but unproductive ways of healing. Man, yeah. I said, this is great. <laughs> yeah. So you actually came with me to the MSOE class that Lauren Bovrong had the panel And you really wanted to be a part of that class because Mm -hmm. you also want to help people in their grief journey. I thought since you said that, do you have any advice for people that are walking with grief where you can prioritize your peace? Man. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think when it comes to prioritizing yourself, 
you can't feel guilty about that. And you have Mm -hmm. to understand that that is actually part of healing Mm -hmm. because by prioritizing your peace, you're not saying goodbye to the person. You're actually starting the process of allowing yourself to honor the person and their contribution to the world and their contribution to your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And that took me a long time to do because I didn't realize that I was like holding on to that. I didn't realize that I wasn't being accountable just to myself and what this person who loved me, like what they, how they would have wanted me to respond, yeah. you know, how they would have responded. Um, so I think the biggest piece of advice is just, Make sure that you can be accountable to yourself and to your feelings and know that it's okay to feel that stuff, but don't get stuck in it and realize that in order for you to really honor them and honor your life, you gotta, you gotta process it. Mm -hmm. You gotta walk through it and you have to accept it. Yeah. It happened. It's part of life. It's not personal. Even if that person did something that caused their death prematurely, like it's not personal to you and you might not even know you're feeling that way. Yeah. But it's not personal. And talk to somebody if you need to do that. Talk to somebody who's not close to you. That that really helps a lot, too, because they can see what you can't. That's really beautiful advice. That's really beautiful advice. Thank you for sharing that. You know, as someone, and I, you might have seen this, is that I'm a very, very reserved person in some <laughs> aspects of my life and incredibly open in other aspects of my life. How I, really I figure that you. out, yes. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it's, what's really interesting is that I opened up this podcast saying that I've never experienced personal death in my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get too political, but... You know, it's just life happens in very mysterious, strange ways because half of it, the things happen back home where I'm from in Palestine and Mm -hmm. Gaza. And now I'm seeing death and a large scale, just graphically every single day. I I wake up seeing vivid pictures and videos of people in Gaza and I go to sleep seeing it. And it's just all my, it's like my entire life right now because, um, because, you know, I feel like people are not paying attention or things are not happening or, mm-hmm. and also I feel isolated, but there's a lot, of, I think what I've learned from this process that I can take away is that I think there's a lot of guilt or with, with when people pass away mm-hmm. and how to, how to be okay with still being human and living life and trying your best. I don't think I have all the answers, but what I have learned mm-hmm. is that community is incredibly important and being with people that you love and people that you feel safe with and people that you can open up to. Yes. I think that that makes you feel less alone and that makes it makes the day okay. With you saying all that, it reminded me of something else that I think resonated with me recently. I went to like this group therapy session and um, a woman was talking about how she was going through all these things and she just felt so isolated because she couldn't find anyone around her. I mean, they were seeing what she was going through, but they couldn't empathize. And I have felt that so many times. Like I, like I mentioned, you know, when I was younger, I was the first. So, mm-hmm. you know, no one knew. But what I realized or what I realize now is that you really have to, like, you can't put expectations on other people Mm -hmm. to help solve your grief. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, if you're going to a therapist, sure. Okay. You know, but you can't, you're paying her for that. Right. Like you're paying this person to to help you and hopefully they can, but the, the friends and family that are in your life or who are in your life, try not to put those expectations that 
because they came over that, oh, they're going to understand because they might not. And what is really helpful is like leaning into who they are or what they can do. Mm -hmm. So if so-and-so is great at making dinner, okay, great. I well, you make me dinner for today. And mm-hmm. that's that's the happiness right there. And that is and focusing on that part of your process will advance you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like if you focus on what a person can't do or the fact that, oh, yeah, we had dinner and it was great, but I still feel sad. The but I still feel sad part is what you're going to hold on to. And you mm-hmm. really want to focus on the present moment and like the the good things that are coming into your life in that way. Yeah. And I think those lessons take time. You're not oh, going to get it right do. the first time. Oh, no, you're not. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> a wave of emotions. Okay. Yeah. Years to figure this out. Yeah. So I want to know if you've ever been scared of death. We've talked about it so much here, but yeah. were you scared about it before this episode? Um, you know, it's really interesting because I, I, I started the episode saying I, I, I'm not scared of death. And I, I still do believe that I'm not scared of death because I've always had an intri- intrigue around it like the movies and the shows that I watch but you know I I'm more scared about people passing mm-hmm. and being left behind yeah. than me dying if that makes sense like my yeah. dog right now she's a year and a half and I in panic I'm always checking if if I, if I ate a raisin cookie yeah. if there's a raisin <laughs> on the floor if she's breathing funny I like yeah. check if she's like still alive and it's just like so yeah I'm I'm death is scary but I think I'm not scared of me passing if that makes sense because I don't know what's happening in the the after and post post this world and the afterlife but I think I think I think that's where my faith comes into that I know Mm -hmm. there's an afterlife Mm -hmm. and I think that gives me a lot of comfort as well yeah for me I'm the only thing I'm scared about I'm scared of my dad dying Mm. but just because I just don't know what that's going to do to me yeah he's he's like the last one and I, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually like terrified of that. Yeah. But yeah. fascination with death and like all that stuff, I have. The, I've had the same. Like yeah. I like all the the dead the dead like me like all the shows yeah, that used to be on no, HBO I coming out. I used to love that it. stuff. Like yeah. I, I'm yeah I love it. And I and I will say this, but when I was younger and even now still, I would like to either own a funeral home or just like study mortuary science or just something like yeah. that because I don't know it's just caring for people once they're gone you we we don't know what if there is an afterlife for real like we don't know if if the the bodies and the soul like we right. don't know about yeah. that stuff but if there is a way to just usher someone into something better yeah. take I care of you like you know giving them that last good. moment of humanity and respect and right? like yeah sending them off in a really beautiful way i love that Thank you for listening to our focus month on death and join us next week as we take on a lighter topic and highlight odd jobs. Hi, I'm Kim Shine, production manager at Radio Milwaukee. Thank you to our host, Salam Fatayer, Tariq Moody, our executive producer, and Brett Kraskowski, who is our web editor. Thank you to our marketing team led by Sarah Lar, our graphics and wonderful logo made by Aaron Bagata. Mallory Wallace is our community engagement and membership manager, and Dan Reiner and Darren Brewer handle our social media. A big thank you to City Loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Tuesday for our next episode.